0: Today's podcast is presented by our friends at the Iowa State University Foundation, who are constantly trying to strengthen the Cyclone community. You can support tomorrow's big ideas with a gift today. Be loud, be proud, be a part of the movement, and donate to the college or a department that you are passionate about today. Loyal and forever true. Let's all help move what matters by visiting movewhatmatters.com today. The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast is fueled by Cody Cody Rhodes and recorded in the wild rose casino and hotel studio welcome to the cyclone podcast radio network this is kicking it with jeff Whitting and grant mahoney uh we are as always sponsored by well the wild rose casino resort studios this is kind of i mean everything is super nice furnished by nebraska furniture mart uh we're brought to you by kelder manufacturing which is uh set down there in southeast iowa welcome grant
1: glad to be here jeff I'm glad that uh, episode three.
0: Episode three. We made it past the first two. First one sound was bad. I apologize to everybody. I mean, we're going to blame Aiden exclusively on that um, behind the desk. It's 100% Aiden's fault. When in doubt, um, I think good leaders accept praise and the deflect criticism, right? Like someone says, You did a good job. You say, Yes, I did. I did do a good job. And then someone says, You did a bad job. You said, No, I did a fine job they did a bad job
1: except if you're a kicker then it's always your fault
0: yeah no it's uh, yeah you, you don't get to yeah. take a good one yeah no um so yeah well anyway thank you to kelder manufacturing um so grant what'd you do this weekend last week i i kind of when we had rob here i i had i had something teed up that i just wanted to get to but
1: yeah you sure did you just kind of blew it right past
0: and i don't care what you guys yeah about. i don't care what you're doing so what'd you do this weekend
1: um well my wife and i were in the process of moving so we packed a little bit and then when we were hanging out on saturday night or whatever we watched the uh, the johnny manziel untold documentary haven't seen it fascinating
0: okay what what is the what angle is this about because i mean johnny football is i've heard stuff and like i don't remember who i think it was actually like kirby kirby vander camp was at like a kicking camp with a m's kicker and just getting some like bat some like side stories of johnny from that so it's like third party stuff so i know that like some some crazy shit was going on but like what what angle are they taking with Johnny?
1: Yeah, they, they they start from when he was in high school and just kind of show he was a smaller, almost under recruited type guy. He wanted to go to Texas, and then AM reached out, and gave him a scholarship. So they show him from show him some some stats and some highlights from high school, and he looked good. I mean, I mean, he's not
0: he he peaked at like five ten, so he's not yeah, he, that he's big short. Of a
1: dude. He's short, but he looked like uh, you know like a, a man amongst boys as far as like the the speed he was playing at. Super impressive. It comes into A and Obviously, he tears it up his freshman year. Um, he wasn't allowed to talk to the media, so that, you know they're all kind of like, "You know who is this guy? Like, what's like, tell us a story about him." And Cliff Kingsbury was there, and he knew that behind the scenes that Manzel was a knucklehead. And he's just kind of like, "Listen, do your do your thing and stay out of the the limelight, and you'll be okay." Well, he wins the Heisman his freshman year, and then starts hanging out with Drake and all these people, and yeah, it just it goes uh, it goes in depth on his his story and how he just kind of became. Who he was it showed you know the, the donors going from whatever they're donating to like three quarters of a of a billion dollars to, to a m he was a big reason why they tore down their stadium built a new one um i mean he was they, they said at one point he got drafted when you got drafted by the browns he didn't watch a lick of, of film yeah and
0: but, i i remember seeing like a little uh cutout on that it's like you can get a percentage like num amount of ipad time because everything's digital all your film is in in software it's not like you had to go to the facility and like log in. Like, I mean, even still at the time we did like, you
1: can see. And a and head coach told his agent, like, Hey, we have checked his iPad and he's at 0.0 hours watch and the agent's like, no, I can't be right he, No, it is. But while he was going, I guess kind of backtracking while he was going through the, um, you know, the NFL combine, you know, he was, he was drinking all the time, doing drugs and stuff. And, and his agent was like, okay, like we need you to stay clean. And John's like, yeah, I can do that. Like no problem it was like a Thursday or like a week leading up to the, to the, the draft and, or the combine. And, um, Johnny Texas agent, he's like, Hey man, I messed up his agents. Like, Oh God, like what'd you do? And Johnny's like, I don't know. I woke up in a hotel room. I don't remember what happened last night. And the agents like, we, like you've got the combine, the combine in, in a couple of days, like we need you to do this and they're going to drug test you. So we need to figure out like an excuse on how to get you out of this drug test. And so his agent called, Johnny's dad and was like, "Hey, I need you to fake a heart attack. Like, you're gonna go into the hospital and check yourself in. Say I've got heart problems. So then we're gonna have Johnny there for 12 hours, pull him out, and you'll be good to go. Like, you'll you'll get pat, you'll get by. You know, doing all the the interviews, do the important stuff, and we'll get you out. You, you showed your face at the combine, and it worked. They also said that when he was at college, he said that he would never take his own drug test. He had the fourth string quarterback." <laughs> which, which i don't understand. i don't know how you, i don't the logistics of that and that, that, that's what's talking we've about wife. Co-
0: we've covered that on this show when it was when it was uh well, i think it was on on fart like during because somebody tested positive somewhere the logistics and this is the second week in a row we're going to talk about pee but it's, okay. it's going to happen yeah. uh welcome to kicking it um the logistics of this are you you okay like at five in the morning like something super early you get to the facility you get a little pee cup like a little a little box and then someone goes in the bathroom with you to watch you fill it up to then take it back. And then they put a sticker on it. That's got your name on it. And then that gets sent off. Like, I don't understand how you can cheat that system because there's got to be eyes in the prize.
1: Yeah. And that's what I told my wife too. I said, this guy is six feet from you. You got your your pants at your knees. He's staring right at your junk, watching it come out. So I don't know how he had the fourth string quarterback doing this for him and getting away with it. The coaches had to know. I mean, they had to know something's going on. They obviously they did the fourth string quarterback knew, but just a lot of sketchy stuff. And then he also, which this kind of irritates me, he said that he was going to Miami like every month to get paid $30,000 to sign autographs and stuff. I heard that. I did hear that. What what irritates me the most about that is what's the difference between Johnny Manziel and what he was doing and what Reggie Bush did and he got his Heisman stripped? Uh, I honestly
0: don't know. I think because the fact that he it was found out, I mean, while, within a reasonable time frame, like is the statute of limitations gone for the Heisman revocation? I don't know, yeah. Um, I don't know. It seems like uh, Reggie had. It seems like Reggie had less going on than Johnny did. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. That was. I, I'm interested in watching it because I remember it was fascinating. Like Johnny is just as a character. Like if you could write a better story, like it's Friday Night Lights, just with drugs. Like it's basically that. It, like it's, the, it's the it's all hard, the drama of that.
1: It's hard to feel bad for him though because he had so many people telling him like, Hey, like figure your shit out, man. Like you get a you've got a a, a golden path ahead of you. And he just, he couldn't stay out his own way. You know, he's hanging out with Drake and whoever else. And was like, yeah, I like this life better than football.
0: I wonder if like this sort of, I mean, the, the, we, we kind of have to, I hope this is the last time we have to talk about this. It was sort of a natural segue into the reason why Iowa State's been in the news for a while. But like, I wonder if there is just the, the incapacity of forethought. Like w- when you're a kid, you know, everyone's heard like your brains don't develop till you're 26 or whatever it is. And one of the things that's the last to develop, and so this is back with neuroscience. So I got my master's in biomedical sciences focusing on the brain. And I've forgotten most of it, but I do remember this part. And the the frontal lobe is the thing that takes the longest to develop. And that doesn't happen to 25, 26, which is why teenagers are really stupid. And what the frontal lobe does, or prefrontal cortex, excuse me, prefrontal cortex is the exactly spot that kind of the last to get wired up. And the point on that is it... In, For lack of a better description or or as best I can recall, it plays forward scenarios to see what the outcomes are going to be and then says safe to do or unsafe to do. And it happens instantly. Like when you look both ways before you cross the street, you see a car coming and you recognize that prefrontal cortex will will play that action for is if you pull your car out in front of this you get hit that's a bad outcome it doesn't need to go to I don't think it goes too far it's not like and then you know your wife is gonna be really sad and then at that point your funeral is gonna be whatever I think it's just like bad outcome bad outcome this one this outcome's fine and that's why like that doesn't exist in or doesn't exist it's not wired all fully wired so when a 16 year old like jumps off a garage you're like why would you do that and the person's like I don't know
1: honest answer they don't know no it, zero forethought. it's funny you say it because the, the last thing i'll say in the johnny manziel was the, the the final straw for him which i didn't i, I guess i'd forgotten about this they had like a, i don't know if it was a thursday night game or a sunday night game whatever it was he went to vegas the the day or two before and was like ah, i'll just get up in the morning and catch a flight back and, and make this game well he got up in the morning he's like oh there's no flights left and so he didn't make it back and that, that's in the browns were like oh we're done with you man
0: which is wild. And I, again, I think it's just because a of lack of a forethought where, where you're doing something and you don't think that the consequence, not that you don't think consequences will apply, just don't bother to think about the consequences. It's not like you're acting maliciously. Like some of, I mean, again, if Johnny's got 700 people telling him like, hey dude, just friggin' just get it in line. But it feels like the the five guys, the five main guys, and now, I mean, Dodge Souser is, a, is kind of forgotten in this because he wasn't expected to play. But the five main guys that were kind of caught with the ga- within the gambling stuff, at least within Iowa State's program, and then whatever you want to talk about with the Iowa guys, I would imagine like I've met a good number of these guys, and they're not bad dudes. Like Isaiah Lee got to wear fifty eight last year, and if you know anything about that story, Big so honor. Curtis Bray was one of our coaches, and he had a heart attack um, back right, I think it was the the f- summer, the, the the winter into spring of two thousand fourteen. Uh, and every year since then, Corey Morrissey started it. And then the the team and that defensive line group will sort of vote on who gets to wear that because it's the best representation of Curtis Bray, which is, I mean, this is an incredible person, a terrific, kind, like gracious, always like who is the best character individual that we have in this room. And that person gets to wear 58 for that year. So it was Corey Morrissey and then JD Wagner and then uh, Ray Lima. And like those guys got to wear it. And any, everybody got to wear one for any one year. And like any and Isaiah Lee were two of the guys that got caught up in this. And so like, it's not that they're bad dudes because clearly if the rest of your position group thinks that highly of you to get to, that you get to wear an honorary number, you're not a bad person. Mm-hmm. But the thought process going forward into this can't, it, it just didn't exist. And it's sort of the question is, what were you thinking? I wasn't like you think that the, the the consequences don't apply, and like it is still monumentally dumb in the same way that jumping off a garage when you're 16 is monumentally dumb, but not processing the the outcome. I I mean it's 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 just one of the things like it's a stupid thing to get caught up in.
1: It is, and and I wonder too if like the guys that I was say you know to go with you know the the being young in their brain not being fully developed if they thought oh you know we're we're lowly old Iowa State, like they're not going to come for us. Like they would come for a, a Georgia or an Alabama, you know, or someone where they've got really good guys that are winning national championships. They would go to them and, and search them first before they would come to Iowa State on, on gambling, but
0: no. No, it did not happen. And
1: I think so now... And now, and now, we're, the, we're, now we're the example.
0: So I was in... Um, I was having a... My wife and I were down for a... Uh, it was a gender reveal. Like, so she's due in November, and we know the gender of the baby but her cousin who's 10 her cousin's kid who's 10 didn't. So we had a gender reveal for Sally for her. So like that, that was it. Like we know, cool. Congratulations here. Look, it's, it's a color. Um, but when we were down there, I was with my uncle or my with Aaron's uncle riding in the car, listening to serious XM radio. And, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about the Iowa, Iowa state gambling thing. And I was like, god damn it like the national rate like that's the national narrative on the program it's 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 bigger than just like right now and uh or just us and kind of talking about it but i think a lot of the outside perspective on it is that you know because it's a very tangential way in that there is that everything is you know everything's on fire and everybody's caught up in it and whatever And i don't necessarily think that's the case like i i would say that I, like, to the best of my knowledge, they're done with anyone who is of. I mean, maybe there's like a backup, backup, backup long snapper that got caught up in this too once the NCAA investigation comes forward. But it feels like the majority of what's actually happened has happened. Which, if you're going to get caught up in something that is negative, now is actually a good time to have that happen because come two weeks from now, we're all going to forget about it because you're going to be actually be able to lace up, go play. And have it happen. So I think one of the things we wanted to get into, because you got a little bit of information on the scrimmage. Neither one of us actually went to go watch it because I was in Georgia and you had you're moving. So uh, we're not allowed to either. Man, we're not allowed to. Yeah, Scrimmages are blocked off. <laughs> anyway, um, but getting some information and we can talk about kind of the what the subs, like the suspensions and the dismissals and the voluntarily leaving the team. What that actually means going forward, because I don't think it's as big of an impact as a lot of people are making it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. And, and you know, I had a friend ask me this weekend. He's like, like, which of the starters do you think hurts the most? I was like, which of the starters from a four and eight team do I think hurts the most? And I was like, huh, I don't know because <laughs> <laughs> we weren't very good last year. I mean, we, not that we were bad. I mean, we, the defense eight, was great. Yeah, four and eight. Obviously the record was bad, but we were in, you know what? We had six games that we lost that were within seven points. So we were right there. A lot of young guys, we've t- which we've talked about mm-hmm. and he, he, I'm not saying like, ah, eh, you know, forget those guys. I'm not saying that because obviously one year under your belt is one year under your belt of, of experience that your backup wouldn't have. So it's, it's hard not to say that Deckers is probably the biggest one we're losing, but I think we are in good hands really at every position. And I'm cautiously optimistic.
0: So I would say that let's, let's just start on one side of the ball, just cause then we can at least have some kind of conversation about this. So the less interesting side of the ball, at least in who's going to play and how they're going to play is the defense. Which kind of has been the case for a bit now, because the way that Haycock calls everything, they rotate a ton mm-hmm. of guys. So there's going to be even if you're listed as, quote, a starter or if you listed as, quote, a backup, that doesn't mean you're not going to play. Like, I, I keep coming back to this. I remember there was a game and I checked the box where I was like, man, there's been a ton of people that have played. There were 21 players that recorded a defensive statistic of some kind in one of the games. It was last year or the year before, which is sort of par for the course. Like they will rotate. I mean, straight up hockey switch, like the entire secondary and like leave one of the corners in to make sure that you have like purchase or Tampa that's on the field at the time, but then they're going to sub everybody else out for an entire drive and then next group. The one safeties go back in, but they're going to have a backup corner and then the linebackers are going to be hockey switched out and then they play So it's not like there's going to be one group that is on the field all the time, which is why it's not like, that's why you don't hear much about the defense and the fact that they have been consistently good over the past few years. So it's not like there's much question on the defense, but there is a little bit of question because of Isaiah Lee not being there. It removes the depth a little bit at nose tackle but i don't think that defensive tackle is a position they're super short on so dom orange is a guy that we've talked about it dom orange is is a dude
1: dude he is he's he's nfl good
0: yeah and and i think there is he's what six six three thirty
1: like six four six six okay okay, so six
0: four three thirty as a defensive tackle who's also getting recruited by a bunch of other places so i imagine if he's not going to start it's pretty damn close
1: he has to. I mean, he, there, there's no one else because we, we, you have you have Dom Orange and J.R. Singleton. I don't know what, what position Auburn transfer if he's a D end.
0: I think he said a D end or that like because they'll play that three. I mean, it's, it's like a, a four eye. So like he's technically a defensive end, but he plays more like a three tech. And I think that's because that's a position that any played. So like the way oh. this defensive line is set up just as like a little refresher for those that aren't that don't remember exactly. So it's a three man defensive line. We all know that, and there's three linebackers. We all know that, and then there's three safeties. We all know that, but the goal and setup of this, so the three defensive linemen, and this is where uh, Isaiah Lee, the position that he would have played, and where Dom Oran does play, and J.R. Singleton does play, is they play a zero nose. And zero nose, while we're talking about offensive line and defensive line stuff, that means you're looking eyeball to eyeball with the guy across from you. So you're head up. Eyeball to eyeball with the center zero nose straight ahead, and then they play a sh- like a shade would be a slightly offset of that. So like my right eye would be looking at your right eye, like just a little bit offset. So they play a zero nose or a perhaps a shade in certain fronts. Then one of the other defensive ends is playing more like a three technique. And a three technique, what that position that that person is located just outside the guard, technically like the outside shoulder of the guard is a three technique. The defensive end that that iowa state plays because it's only three down they bump them out so instead of being on the outside shoulder of the guard they play them on the inside shoulder of the tackle so that's one position the other person usually lines up either head up with the tackle or even outside the tackle and then they let the linebackers do most of the work on the inside so that i don't remember the exact position names i don't really care but the more interior defensive line, that's where Awazirike played last year. That's where MJ Anderson, or in, uh, two years ago, and it's where MJ Anderson played last year. Because Will McDonald then plays the other defensive end, or that more of a pass rushery, true defensive end position. So, where Iowa State's got a lot of depth, and I can't, i mean, the names off the top of my head, I don't have them, Uh I know there's there's several new guys the auburn transfer um there's number 11. there's a number nine
1: Akena, uh, Eziogu, i can mean, yes. i uh yep. so as a yogu yes yep so those guys they
0: play him. the interior of the that that interior three technique style defensive end and then there's the other position so the two positions that i'm not super sure of are the true nose which is where dom orange and jr singleton play that zero technique head up nose and then the speed rusher because you have to replace will mcdonald who is going to replace will mcdonald I don't know like there's no one person that's going to do it but are they going to have a f- a- enough people that are going to be competent enough to do it probably
1: yeah and, and i think too like you said they, they do such a good job of rotating that you know losing losing Isaiah Lee does it sucks i mean he's he was a two or three year starter um mm-hmm. it, it does suck but because we had you know dom orange had such um you know so much experience from last year and jr singleton's had some um i i really think our defense will be fine um and Dom orange when he was in there the dude was super disruptive I mean he's he just didn't know what he was doing he, he, was, he was a he was a, a, a big boy who's a true freshman I mean he didn't yeah which big body <laughs> did, who just kind of bullied his way through <laughs> One, so this
0: there's another thing like a thing that I'm actually really excited so football and random things uh, this year we're doing with Connor Ferguson is gonna host and try and keep me on track which Godspeed Connor no Godspeed uh, he's in the room right now Um, and then doing it with Colin Newell and I'm really excited to talk to Colin and get like have him be able to be able to communicate what this is like but what's what's funny about playing being a true freshman defensive tackle which is where Dom Orange was last year there everything happens so fast so fast down there because if you are in the right spot versus being outside or out of the you know in the wrong spot you could be maybe six inches away from being in the right spot and be in the wrong spot everything has to be so exact because everything if i'm running full speed and a door is uh open by 12 inches i can shimmy through that door if the door is open by six inches i'm going to run into that door like that's sort of what running through the line of scrimmage is like and as a defensive lineman that space you're trying to keep that door at six inches or shut and not at 12 inches like that's a huge difference because again i mean you thinking about like someone doesn't hold the door for you how many times can you just scoot through versus having it open that's literally what it's like now just imagine there's people running side to side at the same time like that's just what it is so dom as a as a as a a young buck all 350 pounds of a freshman that he was defensive linemen when they don't know what's going on just tend to push someone forward yep and say me stronger than you me push you well the problem is is now you've just opened the not necessarily the door that i'm trying to go through but the door door. right next to it you've now opened that by pushing that guy straight out of the way now i'm free and clear i can just go right through that one so uh one of the things that you have to learn there's an expression called fight pressure with pressure is if i'm a defensive lineman and someone's pushing on my left shoulder that means they're trying to get me to my right. So pushing on my left shoulder to push me out of the way to the right. So that pressure, I need to push into that pressure because if they're trying to move me right, I need to not get moved to my right and I need to make sure that I stay to my left. That's a lot to react to. And the amount of force being pushed into you in high school ain't the same as being pushed by TCU, Baylor, Oklahoma State, like that, it is a, Different vibe. And so when you have to match that pressure with pressure, you have to understand what does that pressure mean? Is it a, a combo block? Is it one guy? Is it, what, is that what does that pressure mean? What is the technique that I need to use to hunker down, get my hands on, get my shoulder into, get my weight into, stagger my feet, where should my body be? And then actually have the force and enact that pushing back into it. The last part Dom Orange has got, like he had last year, is the physical capacity to do the job the understanding of what that pressure means, what each look means, where do you think stuff is going to happen? That didn't happen yet. So the more snaps that he gets and the more he can get to step three as fast as he possibly can, the more that dude just going to start screwing stuff up for other offenses.
1: Yeah. And I think one more, you know, one more season under Eli Rashid and just learning I mean, you probably learned a lot from Isaiah Lee and then obviously learning from, from Eli Rashid, I think it's only going to help us. So I'm, I'm not too worried about, about, really anybody anywhere in our defense. No, I don't. And
0: it is, I think we've reached the point like where you can just trust like John Haycock, you got the benefit of the doubt.
1: And we're, we're pretty deep at, I would say, I mean, just about every position on the team. I, I don't think there's any, I mean, depth at kicker. There's depth there. We can get there. Yeah. Who is okay. Let's get there. Let's Let's get there. Okay. So word from the scrimmage was, um, I really only heard about one, uh, the the transfer kicker from Nebraska, Chase Contreras heard he was six for six with a long of 50. What's
0: okay. That's good. That's That's impressive. That is impressive. Uh, that also to me, the great thing about that says that operations was solid because in a scrimmage, so like, obviously, yes, there's pressure with a long snapper and a holder, but there's way more pressure on you because The mechanics that you have to go through have way more variables. And when you're in front of 80,000, that's different than being in front of. 250 parents and friends uh, and teammates in a scrimmage, but the, a long snapper to a holder, you can, there's less nerves in that because there's just one thing to do. So being six for six with a long of 50, uh, let's put the kicking aside. That is a good sign operationally that that has improved. Mm-hmm. So what is the difference then? Like how much can you take from being a scrimmage six for six to transferring that to actually being in a game six for six?
1: As a kicker, you should have a short memory. So, I mean, every kick should be the same, should be, you know, it doesn't matter from the left, middle or right hash every kick should be the same and it, whether you made or miss the last kick, you, you gotta forget about it and then focus and move on to the I mean, next. How one. easy to, is that to do though? It's easier said than done. But I mean, you, you, you gotta train yourself. You, you gotta train yourself that, you know, it, it's, it's hard to, I remember at Nebraska when I had a, a, like a 50, 54 yarder I think when we beat them nine to nine to six, wherever it was, we beat mm-hmm. them. It was hard to not want to absolutely crush that next kickoff after hitting cause you're, you're riding a high. Yeah. So it's, it's hard to forget. Yeah. I just, Nailed that last (laughs) one, you know, but it's, but it's equally as hard to forget. I just shanked that last one. Yeah. So when, when things are going good though, obviously it's, it's a confidence booster, I think we saw that a little bit with, with, with Gilbert last year is that, you know, when you're, when you're kind of in a funk and you're just kind of missing kicks, you should be making. And you're like, 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 what am I doing wrong? You start to overthink. So the sign of a good kicker is to have a short memory, whether things go good or bad um and thankfully uh Contreras is I think he's a fourth year fifth year maybe senior yeah and so he, he's, he's he kicked in games before yeah he, he kicked he kicked for Nebraska I mean he was their kicker I think in 2021 he kicked uh, I think four games Nebraska stadiums big and intimidating obviously you're the home mm-hmm. you know and he, I'm sure he played at some away games as well too but he's got experience under his belt um so at the very least we've got depth
0: and there's mechanics to behind a 50-yard kick too like the fact there's mechanics enough mechanics and enough leg that you can make a 50-yard field goal i don't remember if we talked about this in the first episode what i guess what is the difference approaching it because if just to take this back for a second why we're spending enough time kicking one it's called kicking it because it's kind of implicit in the title and two because i think if you were to just flip last year's special teams execution from garbage to okay iowa state's probably in a bowl game minimally you beat kansas uh you might beat kansas state you might beat oklahoma state you might beat Texas because Texas blocked a punt too. If we forget about that, like if special teams execution goes from garbage to okay, Iowa state wins two of the four games, a special teams cost them probably. So kicking, if kicking generally can improve, then regardless of what else is happening with the quarterbacks, with the running backs, with the wide receivers, whatever, if you can't punch it in because Iowa state was awful in the red zone last year, I think they were dead last in the country in red zone scoring percentage. uh, That's not good.
1: And Tom Manning, (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, blame it on Tom Manning. We actually, we we can talk about that when, You know, next year or next week when we actually get into it. What's the difference anyway? Um, but having quality kicking makes it so, one, every time you get inside the 30, if you have inside the 30, because that's what a 47-yard field goal at the 30-yard line. Uh, if you can get to the 30 and count on points, and if you can get inside the 20 and be 100%, like inside of 30 yards, that's what the ball on the three-yard line? three notes 20
1: on the 13 on the
0: 13 yard yeah, line so inside of the 20 basically inside the 20 if you can 100 lay up on points if you know that like go use a golf example because kicking in golf and special teams in golf there's a lot of overlap in that if you are if you have jordan Speeth's short game for those of you that don't know he's probably the best potentially the i mean outside of maybe tiger and jack jack jordan Speeth might have the best short game in the history of golf if it's a sand bunker or uh, uh, he's in a bunker that's on a downslope. and he's like on one knee because it's way down there there's a chance he makes that shot if you have jordan spee's short game your approach shot can be whatever you want like you can roll the dice and go for it and the pressure is off because you're not like if i don't hit the green i'm screwed versus and, and so to take that back to golf or excuse me take it back from golf to football is if you know for a fact that your kicker inside of 30 yards or inside of 25 yards is just Automatic
1: points. We're getting. We're going at least three.
0: When you're a quarterback, you can, instead of thinking, you know, I'm, I have to just, if this per- pass isn't perfect, we're gonna come away with nothing, or on fourth and seven, you know, I'm just gonna try and get two yards or whatever. I can't try and complete this pass to, you know, whatever. Like the tension is gone when you know that you're going to make a kick. If that improves. Iowa state will win more games this year than they did last year because of special teams. So mechanically, what is the difference between being dead money inside the, you know, 30 to 35 yard field goals, those easy ones and the longer ones. What is the difference between there and why does the percentage drop so much?
1: There really shouldn't be. I mean, there shouldn't be a difference in the trajectory, the way you kick, whether it's a 60 yard or a PAT, you know, a lot of people will say, Oh, 60 yard, you want to have a lower line drive, but I always approached it as I'm, I'm going to try to murder every ball. And so, I mean, if if you want to go back and, and watch, you know, when we when we played Nebraska um, in 20, 2011, I think 2010, okay. and I fi- had a 57 yarder. It, the ball got up. The ball got up quick, and it, and it went. And it's I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but that's how that's how you should hit it. You should hit every kick the same, and, and it shouldn't be a low line drive. That's why you see a lot of long,
0: long kicks, longer blocked.
1: kicks blocked, but they shouldn't be. You know, like I said, if, whether it's a PAT or six yard, every kick should be the same. But going from field goal to kickoff, those kicks are not the same. Mm-hmm. Whereas kickoff, I think we talked about in the first episode, you roll your your foot over a little more, hitting at the top, more top side of your foot, getting your quad involved. Whereas a uh, uh, field goal is more like a, like a soccer pass type, hitting on the side of your foot.
0: But it's basically the same thing. So yep. so long as I mean, it's just because I would imagine the, the distance adds just, your margin for error goes down. Sure. Because again, just like difference between a approach iron and a driver is if you're two degrees off and the ball is only going in golf, if the ball's only going 50 yards, two degrees off is only going to result in what, like a net miss of like eight yards versus if you're two degrees off of the driver and it's going 250 or 300, that's 35 yards off. And so now your, your miss is a lot bigger. I'd imagine that's just mathematically the same thing with the kick. So it's not like anything technical. It's just like straight up math, like angles are farther.
1: Yeah. And, and well, there's more variables that come into play. Obviously when you're, if there's, you know, instead of, instead of two degrees, if it's two miles per hour of wind, you know, that's going to push your ball one way or the other. A lot more from 60 than it is from 25, 30. You know.
0: So what can you? What can Iowa State fans reasonably expect from kicking this year? Like, I'll, is there I'll enough information? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, hopefully improved, you know, special teams coach, and and we've got kicking competition. We've got depth. Hopefully, how, hopefully improved. How many games do you think before Iowa State fans can
0: like, oh, this is what we got?
1: Um, hopefully game one. Hopefully game one. If we're <clears throat> Obviously, I hope for scoring a lot of touchdowns versus you and I. But if we have a Brett Culberson game where we're we're going five for five and we're just kicking field goal for field goal for field goal, I think that instills some confidence. But I think after, I would say non conference for sure. But I would like to see our first. I'm not sure who we play our first away game, but I'd like to see how we perform oh, at, Ohio. at Ohio. Okay, first no, f- first non MAC away game. Yeah, first, first conference, conference away yeah. game.
0: Is it Baylor? No.
1: So whoever we play our first big 12 in big 12 road game. Yeah. I don't want to say, I don't know what Ohio state well, mean, looks like or how the make, fans make are. Iowa
0: state, Iowa state, Iowa in Jack Trice. Like that's a, that's a pressure cooker regardless of if yeah. it's home or away.
1: Yeah. And that, that, will be a good game to see, you know, because the fans are gonna be loud. You know, they're Iowa state and Iowa fans. It's gonna be loud. It's gonna be a packed house in there. You and I, it's gonna be loud to be packed in there as well. But I think really after the first away big 12 game, Depending on how many kicks you have, if you just have one, it may not be a fair sample size. But if you have a couple, I, th- I think I think we should know. I would say by game four, we'll know. Okay. It's
0: Oklahoma. Oklahoma, at Oklahoma.
1: That that's a great place. Oklahoma's tough place to kick
0: because it's a grass field, yeah, right? Great field, tough place to kick though. That's that was uh, Oklahoma was when people ask. I'll just ask you this question: What was the hardest road ven- road venue to play at? Um, in terms of just how do you answer that question? What was the hardest one to play at? <clears throat>
1: the loudest one uh nebraska um i their, never got to play there i was their, one year their fans young. were right on top of you iowa their fans were right on top of you the worst place to play was missouri they've since replaced their field but their field turf sucked the, it was their turf and every every line and every hash yeah every, it was like it was like a half inch divot yep. so it it sucked
0: yes i remember that exactly oh man columbia yeah we, well one we got buried in that game i think when we played down in there it was like 41 to 14 or something like that I had a garbage time touchdown. Yeah, yeah I scored in Columbia. Um, thank you. Getting sarcastic applause from Aiden. Um, so that was actually when was. That was in 2011. I think wasn't it? Yeah, I was trying to. I was trying to build a resume to actually get in an actually more important games, but that was an early so all season. came in three, three, straight, like there were two, three in one of the streets, So that was the only ones all year. Yeah. Good. To, thanks for talking on a podcast in front of it, it not on a microphone, Connor. Really appreciate that. Um, anyway. So yeah, Columbia was hard to play at because the field sucked. But the way I always answer that was I always said the Oklahoma was the hardest place to play at because they had the smartest fans and the loudest fans. Like you put them together, they had the smartest, loudest fans. When you well, when you take Iowa out of the equation because it's a rivalry game and fans aren't smart. <laughs> <laughs> They're mean. <laughs> that's that's true. Uh but they like I always Oklahoma was really hard to play at. I mean, the teams are good, but like when the team, when the crowd needed to be loud, they were very loud. When the team needed to be quiet, they were very quiet. And then you hear that goddamn song every freaking five minutes. Dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Okay, I get it. Yes, it's second and seven now. Congratulations. Yeah. Nothing
1: happened. I didn't feel like Oklahoma or Texas, those are probably the two biggest stadiums you played in. I didn't feel like either one Texas wasn't bad. were intimidating. And no, those, Texas wasn't bad. And as a kicker, I mean, everyone is, is hooting and hollering, screaming and yelling wherever they have to yell at you being out there. Well, but Texas, like, you're so far away from the stands. Mm-hmm. But it's a kicker. You got, you got to tune that stuff out. And I, I didn't feel intimidated in the slightest. Oklahoma was just a tough place to kick. I don't know why.
0: Cause it's, I mean, the
1: very Sandy, I don't know the, the, Yeah, the, the field, it felt very Sandy. It's not something.
0: good. They don't have Iowa state's turf grass program. No, they don't. They do not. Um, okay. So we've talked a lot about defense, special teams. I think the other, the more interesting part is the more interesting position groups that are still yet to be determined are, uh, obviously the offensive line. We don't know exactly who's going to be the, be on the offensive line, but it doesn't feel like there's any, there's no KOs on there. But it does or collection assembly uh, there's no ko's on there but there's no one that i think you're gonna trot out there that's going to be awful like i don't i I think there's enough depth there's probably eight seven to nine what seven to nine guys that they're probably going to be able to play and rotate in and you'd think just they're going to be better and that's been talked about enough with clanton and kind of the preseason stuff we talked about but the position groups and also wide receivers there is so much unknown about the wide receivers beyond your first three. So you have like Dimitri Stanley, uh, Jalen, Noel, and then, uh, Jaden Higgins, Jaden Higgins, he's
1: still unknown though. But, and it's, but like
0: you basically like going into this, you're pretty sure that those are going to be your three starting wide receivers. Like th- there's most likely that behind that you got guys like Nagoyi. you have guys like, I think Kai black might work his way into a rotation. Uh, Daniel Jackson might, if he can kind of get out of his own way, like, like
1: Aiden, uh, Bittner too. Aiden
0: Bitter. Yeah. Bitter, Bitter. Um, those guys, like the, the wide receiver position is still too unknown to really know what's going to be different. And they are very there. It's the most dependent position group on the, on the quarterbacks. So between the position groups that are the most interesting to talk about are obviously quarterback, which we'll get to then tight end running back and quarterback. Those are the three that make the most, like that are the most interesting. Let's start with tight end because it's the least sexy of the positions. What have you heard about tight end generally?
1: Well, I mean, you know, Campbell had mentioned a couple years ago that Easton Dean was maybe the most talented tight end we had in the room. And that was when we had Charlie Kohler and chase Allen in the room at the same time. Um, so is the time for, for Easton Dean to step up with Hanukkah being out for however long he'll be out for. Um, but we also have, you know, we, we've got some young freshmen. Do we got the kid from Johnston, um, Tyler Moore, Tyler Moore. Um, we got the, the kid from wisconsin as well too can't recall his name you got Stevo too Stevo klotz they, they, they've got young guys and and the name that keeps popping up is ben Bromer. i mean that's what i heard in the scrimmage i heard that you know dude can run and catch he's mm-hmm. gonna play they're, you know? they're also huge they are huge
0: like that position group is huge which it it's huge in both number and physical size like there is i think there's probably six guys i mean without Hanukkah, maybe five but like you've got five or six guys that are legitimate every bit of 6'5 plus and every bit of 260 plus. I mean, those are your... I mean, Stevo Klotz is like the light guy at like 6'4, 255. Like, he's the little guy. And so I think the offense, when you lose Deckers and his ability to just absolutely sling it down the field, you lose out on that kind of drop back, we need four wide receivers and go. And when you bring in someone like Rocco or JJ, uh, which we'll get to, you're going to probably need to play a more run first style and, or more uh, like the basketball equivalent of having a set, like in the NBA, where you have like a seven foot two like Boban Marjanovic at center. And then you have another guy who's like a six-eleven post like DeMar DeRozan or something like that. Like you have those two guys, you have two big guys, which is going to slow your offense down, but the entry passes are going to be shorter or like your passes are going to be shorter. You're not kicking the ball all around. It's like, we're going to give it to one big guy, turn and shoot, get an easy two. And it feels like the passing equivalent of that might happen this year with three, six foot seven tight ends. You're not going to be throwing it 70 yards down the field. You're going to be completing a seven yard. Sit route to the outside shoulder of a tight end. Who's matched up on a smaller safety.
1: I, I think we're going to see a lot more, uh, three tight end sets this year than we have, than we did last year. Because you have three tight ends. Yeah, we've got a lot of talented tight ends. I think this tight end room is the most talented uh, tight end room we've had since our Fiesta Bowl team. Since the
0: Chase, uh, Chase, Allen, Chase Charlie, and Saner.
1: Yeah, Saner. And even, I think Seen Buckner was on that. In yeah, too, but he's fullback, technically. I mean, long with the fullback. Smasher. But just, yeah, smash. just,
0: hey, you go run into stuff. Um, so the tight ends group, it, it just feels like they're big. They're still yet to be kind of proven. Um, the position group that I'm the most interested in is the running back room and like i, I tried to find this st- the exact statistic connor tried to find it aiden tried to find it but um i think the guy that the person that needs to be good this year for iowa state to have a really solid offense is Cartavius norton and he's a big dude his top end doesn't feel like it's as high as eli sanders or abu sama or whomever else is going to be backdoor. um Arlen, uh, 33, new new yeah, tailback. Yeah, Arlen,
1: Arlen Harris, or Arlen even, Harris. Or even yeah, Carson Harris. Hansen.
0: So like top end speed isn't that big. The st- the statistic I was trying to find for the 2021 season, Brees Hall, who is a freak. Like you're not going to find a Brees Hall. Let's just let's take that off the table. He is as successful as he was because he's Brees Hall. Uh, but he had 1,493 yards rushing and 23 rushing touchdowns. And I bet if you were to go through and count the number of 20-plus rushes, 20-plus yard rushes in that season, it's probably about a dozen, maybe 13. Well, he had more than, what, 150 carries? Let me see how many how many carries he actually had in in that that year. So, um, Brees Hall attempts, 253 attempts. If, let's say, on the high end there is 20 20 yard plays. That means 233 of those carries were less than 20 yards. Top end speed is substantially less important at running back than people make it. And so like, that's not saying Cartavius Norton is slow by any means. Like dude is still a freak athlete, but he's like 6'1, 230. If you have a, if he has, if you have acceleration at running back, can you get to your top speed, whatever that top speed is? Can you get to your top speed in three steps? If you can get to your top speed in three steps that top speed doesn't have to be crazy high jerome bettis is a hall of famer jerome bettis wasn't running away from anybody emmett smith hall of famer he wasn't running away from many people it's because they have great acceleration great vision and the fact that when you hit them they don't fall down and so cartavius norton especially with this heavy tight end set with a quarterback which we'll get to again we'll tease that we'll get that in a second if cartavius norton is good and he can be decisive, he can stay healthy, he can be the guy who's gonna guarantee four and a half yards of carry every single time you get on the ball. If you can guarantee that you're gonna be first and ten, second and five or six, third and one or two, every single time, you will win a lot of games if you can average that every single time. Top spend speed, not as high, you know, Sama, Sanders, faster. But it doesn't, the opportunities you have for those huge runs are so few and far between that you need someone who has acceleration power and balance and norton has to be that guy this year
1: i think norton's more built like montgomery where you know no one's gonna say that he's gonna run away from anybody you right know, he's he's not that he's slow but he's not his top end speed is not Bruce. it's not breeze's speed it's not right. it's not kenny wong speed you know it's he's he's a shifty between the tackles and he's gonna get you he's a four six something yeah and that, and that that's i think that's what i think that's very much what norton can do and then we, and then we bring in sanders who you know, to David Montgomery. You know, Kenny Kenny Wongu to to um, David Montgomery was the 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 plant and go, the, the the speed guy. Get him on the outside and go. And that's I think that's what Sanders is. I think that's what we can see from Abu Sama as well too, and maybe even Carson Hansen. I've heard that both of those freshmen look good, and that Hansen might be playing in the slot a little bit. Um, I mean, he was Gatorade. He was Minnesota's Gatorade Player of the Year. I mean, at least one year
0: freak athlete yeah um the thing that i i'm interested so arlen harris to me i he, he's a wild card he's a wild card and i think so i watched it which are the spring scrimmages or the spring scrimmage and kind of watched a little bit of him i don't know if it's a like a body mass thing but he runs at a hundred percent speed all the time which is sometimes good sometimes not where if you need to you need to wait for some stuff to develop And because he's running at 100% speed, every collision is his max collision that he's got. And sometimes that works and sometimes that doesn't because he's not that big. But I think because he recognized, I mean, relatively speaking, not that big for a running back. He's still like six foot or 5'11", like 205. Like that's still a big human, but it's not big for running back standards. So I think Harris, to me, he's going to have to find a niche to fall into because you have a Sanders Sama that are going to be straight if if you need a straight line guy if if there are plays that call for that whether it's anything outside or if you're really it's third and 14 and you're going to try and give a draw and just hope that something happens that that position feels like there's got two guys that are better than him at that and norton is the more between the tackles and there's a guy that's better than him at that so he's kind of the second best at everything now that might be enough to get him on the field but i'm really to me the jury's still out a little bit on arlen harris because i didn't I didn't see that he saw it well enough because if your, your eyes can overcome a lot of physical deficiencies. I mean, I am the kind of quintessential example that goes, it was big enough and I had decent acceleration fast enough, but knowing where I was going and being able to read what was going on is the only thing that got me on the field. I was not, I was the slowest running back in that room. And I wasn't even like, I was this, I was strong, but like, I wasn't the strongest person in the room. It was just the fact that I I knew what was happening and your eyes will fix a lot. So depending on what his vision is, that's sort of the thick, excuse me, sort of the thing that might come in and, and out. And that's the, also the thing that Sanders has to improve upon the most from last year to this year, because physically got everything there. His eyes just didn't put him in the right spot most of the time. Yeah.
1: And I'm, I'm, I'm curious to suit curious as well, too, to see how the running back room shakes out because we do have a lot of you know norton if you can stay healthy that, that's his that's his biggest thing we also only have one year true
0: of him on the field and it was not healthy so like i don't want to say he's like injury prone but he just had one yeah um th- the last thing we can talk about uh to me is like without deckers and they haven't named a starter obviously you've got rocco Beck and you've got jj cole those two are very different in the way that they approach it but they actually end up in a pretty similar, a pretty similar game plan, which is actually closer to what Iowa State and Matt Campbell have wanted to play in the past. And like the example is, oh, it's Brock Purdy, man. Like, back to, and the comp would be is Brock. Like, but that's and it's that's unfair to him. It's unfair. But what that means is that let the game come to you. Like the idea, the best way a quarterback can, like I, I remember. Was talking to sage rosenfels at one of the spring practices a couple years ago when they were trying to get brock to operate out of the pocket more and sage had talked with brock and sage was recounting this story to me and it was sage talking to brock and he goes who's faster you or him pointing to deshante jones and obviously him and then you go okay who's a better ball carrier him or you talking to Brees hall uh him who's a better who's going to drag people further him or you looking at charlie kolar and saying that like your job as a quarterback is to get the ball to them as quickly and efficiently as you can to let them go do stuff. It is not on you to make the plays. It's on them. Your job is to get it to them to make the plays. And that's the style game that Beck and JJ play. They go about it very differently, but that's the style. They're not trying to make a play. Deckers last year, tried to make plays he had the physical ability to do it he just didn't necessarily execute in the same way so this year whether they end up with Rocco or JJ you're likely to see a lot less there's a the ceiling feels lower in that any one play is not going to be a 70 yard bomb touchdown but the floor is much higher in that you're very you're less likely to see uh a far side. So right hash, throwing it to the left sideline on a 10 yard out. You're less likely to see that, which is a pick six waiting to happen. Now the way that both of these guys play inside of that. So that's the thing. That's the overlap they have is they're going to play more in the system, which is big tight ends, physical running backs, skilled wide receivers that are going to go make plays. That's the way this offense is going to operate. So it's going to feel a lot more like the 2020 and 2021 teams and the 2017 comp is always there. So, Rocco plays in a style like Brock where he's more athletic. He will improvise some, but he wants to stay on script as much as he can. The thing I like about Rocco is that dude will talk some shit. Like when you watch him in practices, he's going to throw a touchdown to some, and even whether it's, I think Tampa is the other, like on the TJ Tampa, like is the, from all I've heard is like the quintessential shit talker, like throw a touchdown to somebody, somebody, you know, he's going to run past TJ Tampa pointing at him the entire way, on his way to celebrate with his teammate. Like, and I like having a quarterback that'll talk a little bit shit. Like, Arnaud did it, Jared Barnett did it. Like, those are the, it was fun when they got to, when you get into it. So like, he's he's a little fireier and built like Brock and that athletic enough, but wants to stay on script.
1: Gotta have that swagger.
0: Oh yeah. Now JJ on the other hand, the the comp that I use for JJ, and this is not saying that he will be at the same level the way that he plays is like a Peyton Manning,
1: dude, I knew you were going to say Peyton Manning. I was like, don't go there. You went there.
0: Now, the reason why I say this is that Peyton, the reason Peyton was great is because he knew what was happening before you did, even when you're the one doing it. And he's using that information to put the ball in, in a place that is going to execute the play the best. Because he knows everything that you're doing, he knows everything that he's doing, and he knows everything that the guys are doing. And then you have the physical accuracy to make that play happen. Peyton Manning never had the strongest arm. He wasn't the fastest, and he wasn't the the you know the most accurate. He was just the best executor. That's the style that JJ plays. Now, granted, I am not saying that he is Peyton Manning. Please do not say that. And if there's some like a, a hate listener from like like the Iowa message boards, someone's gonna say like. oh, someone's saying he's the next peyton manning connor's already tweeted out it's great uh that I, jj cole's the next peyton manning lock it in put it in stone but in the that's the way that he plays he's very accurate he's back foot's down ball's gone back foot's down ball's gone or he's up to the left of the line of scrimmage surveying what's happening saying wait we got a linebacker that's unaccounted for i need a tight end to have outside leverage hey You know whoever move in two yards i need you inside leverage of this and like he's going to direct everything because he he sees the play happen before it happens and then from there it's accuracy and a big enough arm to get the job done he needs a lot of snaps to get to that level so in time jj will probably be the starting quarterback at iowa state for several years is that going to happen this year i don't know because if peyton manning didn't know what was happening He's not the smartest or he's not the smartest. He's not the biggest arm. He's not the most athletic. He's not the most accurate. You, he's just a guy, but because of his brain, that's what makes him the best. So that's the style that JJ plays. So I don't, I would expect Rocco to play game or to start game one. And even if it's this whole season, fine. But if JJ does play, there are going to be some lumps taken early because he he's going to guess wrong. He's going to read wrong of what's happening. But then by the time he gets that mental catalog of enough that's going to go in there, that's where that four-star, five-star talent shows. So I, for those that haven't seen JJ play, you're, it's, he's one of those guys, it's, it's you know, using Deckers the the, the the ceiling and the floor. He's the kind of guy who's sort of like, like I'll use it like Monte Morris in basketball, where you look down at this, or Tyrese Halenberg's a better example. You look down at the statue in Tyrese Halenberg, you're like, shit, he's got 27 points, 11 rebounds and nine assists. What? How did that happen? Because he's just in the flow of the game. If when JJ's at his best, you're looking down, being like, he's got 407 yards and three touchdowns. What? And six rushing yards. Yeah, he can actually run. But like, <sighs> how did how did this happen? Because you don't notice any one giant play or any glaring failure or anything like that. It's just. 10 yards, 14 yards, six yards, 22 yards, six yards, smart incompletion out of bounds when there's nothing there. Or, you know, that's the kind of offense that he's in his best at. As you look down and you're shocked at the statistics that he's pulled out.
1: I think, yeah, I mean, it's, it's ironic that Brock is with the 49ers, but I think that's the, we need to be the college version of the 49ers where we've got a stout defense and then Brock is essentially just a facilitator for the 49ers. Right. Get the ball into, into Debo's hand, into McCaffrey, into Kill get the ball into the playmakers hands and just be a facilitator. And that's, I think that's all that, that JJ or Rocco need to do. You, you know, you're not gonna, you're not gonna win the game on one play. You're not gonna, you know, make huge plays every time. But if we, if we can dink and dunk or just make our way down the field and be smart, with the ball, take care of the ball and get the ball into the playmakers hands and let them do the work. I, I think that's the recipe for success for us. And then let the defense do their thing. Yeah.
0: I think there's, there's one lesson that I think, as a kicker, you probably got, which it takes a little bit for like maturity to happen. And for those that are watching the video, you can kind of see this: is my father-in-law has one of these things where he he'll he'll do this, which is taking his kind of a finger and making a circle around your head. And what that means is the world doesn't revolve around you. And that is an in, in the context that he's talking about it, that is an incredibly freeing thought. Because what that means, so let's take it out of a football example. You're in a business meeting, not even a big giant one. It's like your manager is there, a manager that you see all the time. And you say something like, "How is your weekend? And you say it weird. In your head, you're like, shit, that person thinks I'm such an idiot. They're, They think I'm so dumb. You know what they're thinking about? Nothing. You're not in their brain. They are not processing you at all. And so the thing that's... The reason why that's important is that you matter a lot less than you think, which means your mistakes are substantially smaller than you think and your successes, they mean something, but they mean something to you. And then when you start piling your successes on your successes, on your successes at that point, when you have a mountain of success is the only time someone's going to look at you. And why am I ringing this up within quarterbacks? There will be interceptions. There will be fumbles. It's going to happen, but the world does not revolve around you when it happens and you go, oh shit. Okay. Next one. Like, all right, I'll go make the next play. You're talking about like with a kicker, you miss a field goal. World doesn't revolve around you. Okay. Yeah. Three points are off the board, but there's 21 other dudes in the field.
1: My, my high school coach used to tell me, he's like, Hey, if you go out there and, and kick a field goal and you miss it. Oh, well our offense failed. They should have punched in the end zone. We shouldn't have relied on you, which is really kind of a, my high school team was terrible. I mean, we were, we were three and 21 as I left high school. So it's a very much a, a loser's mentality, but at the same time, it's like if the offense would have done their job, it was for a touchdown. But at the same time as a kicker, you gotta make the kicks. Yeah. You gotta make the kicks. Um,
0: I, I think this is hopefully the last week that we don't have, I mean, we're still talking about kind of position previews. Uh, we have two more of these, or one more of these until we're actually talking game week, which feels fantastic. We're almost there, everybody.
1: Well, one last thing I want to talk about is this kicker who's trying out for the Saints, who's trying to make the Saints roster. Have you heard about him? No, we, please fill everybody in. So his name's Brent Bloom. He is five foot seven, 150 pounds. Um, no, his, his name's, his name's uh, Blake Groupie. He, he played at uh, Arkansas State for four years. Um, decent stats and in his last, his COVID year, he played at Notre Dame and he was 14 of 19. He's five, seven, 157 pounds. He made a game when he kicked for him, um, in their in their preseason game. The saints. Yeah. Um, but he, he had tweeted this out, um, oh, I went away. He basically got, um, mistaken for a fan. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, so I got it right here. It says, it says he tweeted out step one, get questioned walking onto the field pregame for not having credentials. Step two, hit a game winner. Step three, get stopped by security thinking I was a fan when trying to walk out of the player exit. <laughs> so this guy's tiny. I mean, he's a he's a little uh, he's short and he's small in stature. He's like I said, five seven, one fifty. But just a, that's that's your feel good story of the of the week. Probably won't make the roster. I saw his stat his Cobb stats. He only had two attempts over fifty yards. He's one for two from and the longest was fifty. And they've got Will Lutz there.
0: Okay. Yep. Fair. Um,
1: I just a feel good story, you know.
0: That's, what's funny? Got a root for the underdogs. What's funny is that football is a sport where every body type is pretty much capable of playing, but the low end is harder to get on than the high end because there's a kid at TCU this year. I don't know if you've seen it. Six seven, faux fitty.
1: Ooh, Yeah. Offensive lineman. I did see that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> six seven, faux fitty, and that guy for the Saints has a better chance of faking an active NFL roster than 6'7 full 50.
1: Yeah. What a wild sport. It is. It is. And you you probably seen those pictures of, um, I can't think of his first name, but Blankenship, the, the kicker from Georgia. Rodrigo. Yeah, yeah, Rodrigo Blankenship. We were really respect. There was a picture comparing him to DK Metcalf with a shirt off, and someone someone said, these two guys play the same sport <laughs> and you got, you got, you know, Rodrigo Blankenship and his, his rec specs and you got DK Metcalf just shreds. Like his statue. muscles have muscles. Yeah. And so it's like, football is great. These two guys can play the same sport. And this is where we're at with Brett Bloom's doppelganger and this six foot seven, 450 pound guy from TCU. Great sport. Great sport.
0: Well, we're soon actually going to be talking about real sports. So that's a, that's what we can kick. Real, yeah. It.
1: Real football, real football. Yeah. yeah actual game. So actual games. nice criminal It's always got to be here, man. All right. On to episode four.
0: See you, everybody.